0: O gladsome light of the holy glory of the immortal Father, heavenly holy, blessed Jesus Christ, now that we have come to the setting of the sun, and behold the light of evening, we praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for me, it is at all times to worship you with voices of praise, O Son of God and Giver of life. Therefore, all the world glorifies. We're back, continuing our series on "O oh Gladsome Light," that sunset hymn. Actually, before we uh, get into this episode, Father Jeffrey, uh, about the um, the narrative trajectory, uh, is it right to call it a sunset hymn?
1: Why not? <laughs>
0: Well, there you go. I think I read one one thing one time that said, oh, we need to not be focusing on the sunset, or I don't even know where I read this, so this is just me making stuff up, maybe.
1: Probably. I mean, it is appointed to be sung as close to the moment of actual sunset as possible, so I think that would be a, a very appropriate you know title for it but obviously that focuses on the moment and the kind of surrounding circumstances rather than on the actual content of the hymn so to call it Fossilaron or glad some light as we do br- brings our attention you know to the actual focus of the moment rather than to the context
0: so we've talked at length in previous episodes about one way of interpreting Vespers as being this clearly laid out, almost Hollywood-style drama, right? Of, you know, creation, fall, redemption, right? This, This clear move from beginning to end. But for that to be true, that means that the main climactic moment should probably be about three quarters or more through the service, right? Near the end. But it seems that gladsome Light is the main climactic moment of the whole service, and it's right in the middle, which has this chiastic structure to it. Um, do you want to talk a bit more about why it's in the middle in terms of narrative?
1: Well, to begin with, I think we've dismissed already the probability that the whole service was based on, you know, trying to just Mm -hmm. reenact in a kind of dramatic fashion, um, the history of salvation, right? So the, the service begins and assumes we are already amongst those who are gathered into God's covenant community. We are not actors in a play trying to you know, depict what's happened in, in the past and, and that somehow this is the the moment of salvation, you know, as it were. So uh, it plays a, a different role, a different function narratively. The whole structure of Vespers of, of is more about our narrative participation in God's ongoing, unfolding story, right? And so, you know, when we had the moment of creation at the beginning, it wasn't creation in the past, it's God's ongoing creative concern for the world, his sustaining of the world, the the desire for God to draw all things to himself and fill all of creation with his light. And you know, we looked at how we gathered together in the in, through the the Great Litany, the Litany of Peace, and, and tried to bring all of our individual stories into the framework of God's peace, His shalom, His His ultimate purpose for for all of creation. We looked at how that is an ongoing struggle that's reflected in the the narratives of the Psalms, whether that be in the the meditative mode of the Kathismata or whether it's the Mode of the lamplighting psalms, where we have this direct movement and direction really for us to to move from from isolation and uh, misery, despair on our own into a, a community of worship, which is in fact the act that we're doing at them at that time we've gathered together as a community we've we've entered the church space we've returned to god's temple where the community is gathered and where God's glory and light are are revealed. And through that process, the, the lights of being uh, lit in the church and now in that central act of, of faith in the light that shines in the darkness in the midst of the community that God has gathered, the, the saved, redeemed community of Israel. We turn our focus to, you know, to the light. And I wouldn't say that it ends there. We're going to go on to see further parts of Vesper. So although this is a you know, kind of climactic moment, as you suggest, but actually what happens after this will be really telling. Right? So what is the very thing that is going to happen after that light is acknowledged and uh, the, you know, the symbolic presence of God in our midst is affirmed? The presider is going to give the peace of God. So the the peace we've already said is the the entire point of all this. The shalom of God is his covenant purpose for creation. This is what everything is going towards. That is one of the best ways of expressing the telos of the kingdom, is to say that word shalom. So post gladsome light, the very first thing that's going to happen is that peace is given to the community. On behalf of God the Father, the presider is going to to express that. And then in the midst of that, very often and in ancient practice, always, an Old Testament reading is, so scriptures are read. The narrative of God is is going to come into that context. So those are further and maybe even deeper climactic moments to have God's peace and God's word shared in in that community. So it doesn't end here. It's it's a it's a high moment indeed. It, we've been building up to this in a way, but uh it's going to go further up and further in beyond this. Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I gave a sermon one time where I uh, I expressed the idea that you know, I started with saying oftentimes if we don't know the services, we can get you know really bored sometimes. Uh and I offered uh the um, gladsome light as the sort of benchmark in the service of vespers that you can um, you can know that we're sort of halfway through, but it's also the climactic moment, and it's also the chiastic center. It's sort of the um, the middle of the whole thing, and oftentimes in scripture, you know, we have stories where the punchline of the story is almost in the middle of the story. Uh, that happens in the Gospels with you know Peter um declaring, you know, that Jesus is the, the, the son of the living God, right? Um so is is it right to think of gladsome Light as this sort of chiastic pinnacle of the service? And could we maybe define chiasm?
1: Right. So I think that would be a fair assessment of of the structure. Um certainly there's an awful lot that as we say, builds up to this, if the church begins in darkness, to have brought the church into the kind of fullness of uh, of light, you know, liturgically expresses, you know, something, but it will remain lit, <laughs> you know, for some time. So I would say maybe that chiastic uh, center isn't just this hymn, I'll say it, it must therefore also include, certainly in Great Vespers, that uh, giving of the peace and the, the reading of the 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 Old Testament lections, the, the the readings from the scriptures, all of that takes place with the lights on, right? And so I would maybe group that whole thing together as as one unit. After which there is a kind of slow withdrawal. So it's almost like you know a chiastic structure. You could picture as a kind of ascent up a mountain. You know, you reach a peak and then you you come back down. And, and in a very real sense, the the experience of transfiguration of the of the apostles that our Lord brought with him, you know, to, to climb the mountain, to to be at the peak, to experience the light, uh to 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 be in that light. And what of course does, who, of course, is our Lord? Meet at that point, but but Moses and Elijah, right? The Law and the Prophets. Well, that's precisely what we're going to read <laughs> in those Old Testament readings um, at that time. So God's God's peace is given. The Moses and Elijah are there, and then, like the apostles, we can't just pitch a tent there. We can't stay in that place, right? So the chiastic structure, you know, moves us back slowly away from it. It's almost like you know, the, the there's a you know, a beginning and an end that, that mirror each other. That's the kind of chiastic structure has this kind of mirror shape with with the focus, as you say, in the middle of it. So, you know, you could have something like, you know, if you were schematizing this, it could be like A, B, C, B, A, right? Something like that would give, mm-hmm. and that focus is in that middle, you know, section to it. So absolutely, I mean, th- there's a, a moment in this service where you realize, yeah, this is the important thing that's happening. All the lights are on. The vestments are fully donned. We'll talk about that probably in a few moments with the uh, um, understanding of the whole liturgical participation and celebration and, and enactment of this. But clearly, this is a high moment. Now, there'll be if you're doing a full vigil, there'll be other high moments. So it's not just that the whole of the service you're attending climaxes here, but certainly in one of the kind of arcs of the service in that vespers part of it this is the centerpiece as you say The podcast you're listening to reflects
0: only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to this private podcast, go to pryingpriest.com. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. Yeah, I I want to guess. I want to talk a little bit about lights again. So again, we've talked a lot about candles or electric lights, and how does that all work? And and we talked a bit about this in the last episode, the historical development episode about the that that hearth rug. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. Um, and lighting the lighting the lamp in the evening to ward off the darkness. Uh, so here at St. Maria's, we actually keep the church dark. Uh, we start lighting candles at the lamp lighting psalms, and then at Ogladsome Light, we actually flick on a set of electric chandeliers, uh, and it and it gives a sense of movement. It gives a sense of, that the service is moving somewhere. That this is actually an important moment. But I've also been in churches where nothing happens at all uh, in terms of light. Um, Can I get your take on on that aspect of it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think what you guys do from that description sounds like about the best we could do in our current contemporary world where electricity is the norm, right? Um, I don't think we're ever going to recover the sense of what it was like to have the evening light, right? This was a phenomenon in human history that that we have, thanks to, you know, the, those who brought us electricity and light bulbs, you know, put into our, our past. I, I had um, an experience a little bit like this. A friend of mine is actually one of the uh, ancestral lords in Ireland. One of the about 30 of them left and lives in a, a 14th century uh, castle, you'd call it, in, in Ireland. And I stayed there once. And he only lives in about three or four rooms of the place. Um, so most of it is not either heated or lit. And, uh, and certainly, you know, during the day you live in some rooms and then at night you, you venture into bedrooms and things like that. And, and before you go to bed, I mean, the, the, the fire is lit in, in the bedroom and, you know, you even put something warm, like an, you know, an iron in the bed so that the bed, because otherwise the, the, the rooms are deadly cold, right? So the, the whole notion that, you know, the whole of the dwelling is warm and lit is such a, a very modern contemporary experience of ours, right? It used to be that when night drew in, things were cold, things were dark. And so you would have a definite place where there was warmth and light. And that was that, you know, that hearth that that you refer to the, you know, so the evening lamp was so much more than just a symbol. It was, it was survival, right? So you would, everyone would draw in together from wherever they were throughout the day, whether they were working or studying or traveling, shopping, building, they would come together surrounding an evening fire or lamp, and that would be the place of comfort, of warmth, of survival. And you know, this is what we're you know, keeping as a, a memory here, as a symbol, because ultimately, the one who is our focus, and the one who is the one who brings us survival and warmth and light in the midst of the dark and the chaos of, of night, is God himself. And so all of that ritual that, you know, the anthropology of, you know, survival around the evening fire or lamp is carried forward into our Vesper service. But as I say, we we don't experience it at all in that way you know except occasionally maybe we're in some you know we're we're camping in algonquin park or something like that and it's really really dark and so you light a fire in the evening there's something really compelling about campfires to us precisely because it appeals to our primitive you know evolutionary selves Mm -hmm. where this was a matter of life or death right and we don't have that very often anymore and only occasionally you know do we get it but except the whole service of Vespers is based on it. And uh the, the prayers that the uh priest, presbyter reads, uh now all, as we said before, collected at the beginning of the service, but used to be distributed throughout as kind of collect prayers, uh, which are known collectively as the prayers of light, right? Um mm-hmm. They reflect this a little bit. Let me read a little bit to you from the uh, seventh of those prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, great and most high God, who alone have immortality and dwell in light unapproachable. God who dwells in light unapproachable. We talked about that in the scriptural context before, how God is God's very uh, being is a, uh, a being of light, who made all creation in wisdom, who divided the light from the dark. So this reference back to Genesis who is appointed the sun to rule the day, the moon and stars to govern the night, and who has vouchsafed us sinners at this present hour also to come before your presence with confession and to offer you our evening hymn of glory. O Lord and friend of man, direct our prayer as incense before you, accept it as a savor of sweet-smelling fragrance, and grant that we may pass the present evening and the coming night in peace. Endue us with the armor of light. So all of this imagery is about, it's, you know, we've come to the evening, we've come to to tonight. There are terrors, you know. We look to you, God, as the source of unapproachable light. Clothe us with your light. You're the one who separated light from dark. Now separate us from the dark and fill us with your light. So all of that imagery of that, that evening lamp, the lamp that, that, our Lord himself, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount refers to, right? You, nobody lamp, uh, lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. You know, nobody covers it up. You know, that would be silly. That would be, you know, to 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 lose all of the the purpose of the evening light, right? So he refers to that light being the light of the world, and uh, you know, so so all that is built into this. Absolutely, a climactic moment. Absolutely, uh, you know, it's it's part of our the fabric of our very being as human beings to to want to to do this, and so it's 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 ritualized here, and and it's stylized in, in vespers in a way. But it ultimately connects you know, very deeply to a human experience that is pretty universal.
0: I want to walk through the stages of Vespers that we've, uh, the, the portions of Vespers that we've gone through already and give a little blurb about kind of the narrative, um, the, the, what's happening narratively there. And then when we get to Gladsome Light, I want you to sort of fill in that picture for Oh, Gladsome Light. Sure. Um, does that make sense, Father Jeffrey? Yeah. So as far as I understand, having uh, recorded this series with you and having actually listened back to a lot of episodes, um, Vesper starts with that great uh, hymn of creation, Psalm 103, and and that sets the stage, is the metaphor that we've been using there, setting the stage for God's continued and ongoing loving connection with all of creation, and that we set ourselves within that ongoing uh, drama of God's love and grace towards creation. Uh, and then an outpouring of that is our prayer within that context, which is the great litany. And we pray, first of all, for peace, right? That God's peace comes and that it uh, permeates uh, uh, in us and in in creation. and So that's sort of the setting the stage part. And then we move into... Um, a section, uh, the cathisma, where we are able to um, actively, I guess, participate by sitting and contemplating in a continual way uh, the, sto- the story, this uh, story of 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 God and of Israel, uh, and plug ourselves into that. And then we, after that, we um, we sing. And read and chant uh, the lamplighting Psalms, Psalm 140, 141, 129, 116, where we can now plot ourselves into that great U shape that goes down into the depths and then back up again. And then now we are here uh, on the way back up from that, uh, that the, the lowest parts of that U shape in Psalm uh, 141, and we're on our way on an upwards trajectory. And here we are at a gladsome light. What does this now offer us in that narrative that I just painted?
1: Well, if you recall, the lamp lighting psalms themselves, you know, reflect this this movement, you know, this this human experience. But also, it's an experience of the faithful ones of Israel, the faithful members of, of the community. That when we are alone, when we are separate. Uh, from the community when we are uh, you know facing temptation in the world and struggle and oppression and suffering then you know it feels like we are separate from god it feels like we are in the darkness it feels like we are away from the glory of god as manifested in zion and the whole movement of of each of those songs was in some ways from isolation to community, from, from a kind of separateness from the, you know, the, the temple and glory of God in worship back into that place, right? Each of them in a different mm-hmm. way brought us on that, that kind of movement. You talked about it being a, a, a U shape, but it's not the, the U shape of, you know, we were once lost and now we're saved, right? This is the ongoing experience of human uh, of human life that you know there, every day we we go through this. Every day we have these moments of sadness, of of misery, of suffering, of of illness and, and so forth. And we need to make that move back into the community of worship where God's glory and light, are revealed and so the very fact of us being here we've already done that you know we're, we're not um, individuals you know all separate from one another we are already gathered together and what have we been doing together you know we've come we've set the scene as you've said we've we've experienced We've had an opportunity to to call God's peace down and to pray within the, the context of that uh, of the litany of peace. We've 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 gone through the darkness of of the temple together and, and and lit the lights. And now together we are expressing ritually, liturgically, the fact that we are now returned to God's temple, where at the very climax of those lamplighting psalms, we said that all the nations would praise god you know that's how far that move has gone not not only are we not in some cave somewhere on our own suffering and wondering about the traps our enemies have laid for us but we've moved back into community gathered together in the light of god and giving glory to god this is this is the the whole point of having Joined together in worship right this is the whole point of having made the trek from our disparate individual lives into the community to celebrate this service of the liturgy of the hours at the close of day the the very move we made in coming to vespers is now expressed ritually in our gathering together around that evening light just like After, you know, century after century, people did that in their families and homes throughout the world. They would gather from the world around that evening warmth and light for survival. Here it's an expression of what God continues to do for us, that no matter what the temptation, no matter what the experience of our day, we gather together in the presence of God, which is light in order to give glory together to the one who has this ongoing creative caring loving relationship with us and so uh, yeah th- this is the it, as we said before the climactic moment of of that whole process of gathering again in god's presence not as a you know dramatic reenactment of the overall plan of salvation although it has hints of that you can you could certainly point to some of those but more precisely and more usefully, because it's the continual experience that we have, right? Because if we said before, if, if this is just simply a dramatic reenactment of something that's supposed to have already happened, then the expectation is going to be on us spiritually, psychologically, and otherwise that we have to somehow remain in some. Pristine state of redemption, and and therefore we're going to be looking at each other with shifty eyes and thinking, does you know, does anybody else doubt like I do? Does anybody else have the experience of of sadness or of isolation that I do, or of temptation on a daily basis? Maybe I'm the only one who has to still repent. Everyone else has moved from from the darkness into uh, the light, and and here I'm supposed to stay there permanently. No, it, this is rather the, a narrative depiction of that our ongoing experience that we continually make that move from isolation to community from individual into the 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 worshiping uh framework of, of the temple where god's light and glory are revealed and sung in this glorious way in this hymn
0: you've just finished listening to another public episode of enacting the kingdom If you're getting value from this podcast and you'd like to support the show, you can head over to pryingpriest.com to become a patron. Also, five-star ratings with written reviews go a long way to getting the word out there about this show. Also, since Enacting the Kingdom is social media free, any word-of-mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next time.